Welcome to another episode of Focused on Christ, where we are passionate about exalting Christ and equipping the church. I'm Mike Crump here with Pastor Nathan Smith. And Nathan, with only three episodes left in the year, which is crazy to think about, uh, what has been your favorite part of this podcast? I'm, I'm asking. I mean, the same. besides hanging out with me. Well, besides that, which is so obvious. I mean, we just had so much fun and laughter, and most of it can't be put on the. Put on the <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because people would look at it and go, these guys are, are yeah, just nuts. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, one of my favorite ones, uh, practically, is when we looked at the Old Testament. We talked about the temple mm. and the tabernacle and the Aaron, the priesthood, yeah. and all of those foundations because it helps us so much better understand the New Testament. Mm. So I think looking at the Old Testament foundations that lead us into the New Testament are definitely some of my favorite topics that we talked about. But what about you? Um, I think I've just I've enjoyed just the camaraderie of conversation. I think just being able to yeah, unpack the scriptures, be able to just talk back and forth about uh, the different aspects of God of Christ, and it's been just encouraging for me. Yeah, um, in my faith and uh, in my understanding of the Word, and so I appreciate this time together. And I do agree with you. I think the progression that we've had through the Old Testament into the New Testament has just helped illuminate things all the more. Yes. And uh, we pray that's been the case for those who've been listening as well. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the conversation back and forth has definitely been enjoyable because I think it's good for our listeners to know, and maybe it's obvious to them, but we don't script these conversations. Mm-hmm. We, we have some outline points, some questions we're going to think about, but really this conversation is pretty on the fly. Yeah, yeah, so... Hold on to uh, your seats because <laughs> we're, we're jumping into Ephesians 1 today. Uh, we're going to be looking at really this just beautiful passage that uh, shows us our spiritual blessings in Christ. Uh, but before we do that, maybe help us give us a little context of the book of Reve- uh, excuse me, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is named after the city of Ephesus. Mm-hmm. So this is the church that Paul actually spent a good amount of time in. Ephesus in modern-day Turkey, if you go there today, is some of the most magnificent ruins. You mm. can see some of the events that we see in the book of Acts where the riot takes place in yeah. the great amphitheater. Um, Ephesians or Ephesus is also the city that Paul wrote to where Timothy was at. So First and Second Timothy both take place in okay. Ephesus. Yeah. Actually, when we look at the New Testament, uh, Ephesus takes center stage really uh, more than most of the ancient cities in terms of the scriptural attention that is given there. Hmm. Uh, Why? Uh, I don't think there's any real evident reason like why Paul zeroed on this specific city per se, but it was a cultural, economic uh, crossroads. Um, There was a lot of work that was done in this city, and and there were a lot of Christians that got— I mean, some of the most amazing works that Hmm. God did, uh, especially in the early days of the church, happened in Ephesus. This is the place where there was the great event where people were convicted, Mm. I mean, deeply— yeah, um, and they brought their their scrolls and their magical talismans and their, their the holy books of other mm-hmm. religions, and they, they burned them. Big old bonfire. Big old bonfire. I mean, it wasn't just repentance; it was wholesale like turning yeah. and public declaration. It really transformed the city. It tra- it transformed the city so much so that it caused a riot. Yes. yes. So when we when we look at this book in terms of the the events of going on and the warfare that existed, you can understand why at the end of the book of Ephesus. Book of Ephesus, <laughs> the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, where Paul talks about the warfare yeah. of the spiritual life, the spiritual warfare going on. When you know the backdrop of what actually went on there, 
a lot of the things in this letter start to make sense. Mm, oh, that's that's a good word for us. And we're going to not start at the end of Ephesus, or excuse me, Ephesians. We're going to be doing that the entire now. time, aren't we? Ephesus um, and Revelation. Ephesians. <laughs> In Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, um, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, just because it really is a condensed mm-hmm. package of the blessed life in Christ, the spiritual blessings we have uh, in Jesus. And so we're going to be walking through some of these and helping not only gain some clarity on maybe somewhere there might be confusion, but I, I pray that it would just stir our hearts to great affection for Christ, because this is who we are in Jesus. So starting off Ephesians 1 verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly Mm -hmm. places. Why is it so important for us to understand our spiritual blessings? So Ephesians is broken up almost in two sections. Mm -hmm. Chapter 1 through 3 really zeroes in on the blessings and the identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. Chapters 4 through 6 are how we live out those blessings Mm -hmm. in a way that honors Christ. Mm -hmm. And right here in verse 3 that you just opened up with, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's wanting us to understand the fullness of the, uh, well, as much as we can comprehend, the fullness of what has actually been granted to us. When it says, blessed be our God and Father of our Lord, that word blessed. Mm-hmm. In the new, in Matthew, it's the Greek word makarios, which means happy. Mm. But here it's the Greek word eulogetos, which is where we get the word eulogy from. Yeah. So it has the idea of praiseworthy be, mm. the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is he praiseworthy? Why should he be honored? Because if we really understood everything he's given us in his son Jesus Christ— we would do nothing but worship. Mm. So even the first three chapters has the idea of instigating us to a sense of gratitude and worship, and from that worship, then live it out. And that's a that's what and we've talked about that even in the book of James when we were discussing that. It's like out of this overflow of what God has done, we serve him, we obey him. It is mm-hmm. not the reverse. Exactly. And so here in Ephesians, we get a, just a glimpse of all that we have in Christ. And so in we continuing in chapter 1 here, beginning of verse 4, it continues. It says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In this section here, there's a lot of like landmine-type words mm-hmm. for the Christian community, right? Yes. We see here that that we he has chosen us before the foundation of the world. He has predestined us into adoption. So maybe help us understand what this is mm-hmm. speaking of so that we have a better understanding of what Christ has really done. Before we get into the landmines, because sometimes Satan uses the landmines to distract from the main message, yeah. that no matter where Christians agree to disagree on some of the nuances of it, mm-hmm. we should not miss that the whole emphasis of this passage is to describe the unbelievable blessings that he has given us. Amen. And it's so important to understand the difference between the indicatives and the imperatives. And here's what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. The indicatives are the statements of fact, reality, that are true about us, mm-hmm. regardless of how well we live out the imperatives. Mm-hmm. The imperatives are the commands. Yeah. Go and do thus. Uh, regardless, Mike, whether or not you utterly fail in your spiritual activities today, the indicatives what remain true about you and me, mm-hmm. that because we're in Christ, we are 
beloved. Mm. We have been declared holy. We've been made righteous. Those are unalterable states, regardless of how the imperatives are lived out. That that's per, that's profound, and and it's lost, I think, on many who maybe know Christ or have mm. even walked with Him for a time. There's such joy and freedom in that. Not that we're like, okay, well, I'm I'm sealed, and so I'm good to go. I can go live how I want. No, no, no. Yeah. Our life has been so transformed. We realize the goodness of God and what he has done. We are secure in our salvation because of Jesus. Therefore, I want to give my life to him. Yes. Again, it goes back to that indicative imperative. And it changes, it changes why we do the imperatives. Yes. If the imperatives are done to curry God's favor or to accomplish salvation, then the motivation is ultimately self-focused. Mm. But if the imperatives or the, the commands to do are based on the reality of what I have been made in Christ, then when I, when I fail those, the grief that I feel is my actions are a mismatch with my identity. Mm. It's the grief of I have done something that Jesus has already taken care of, and I'm actually acting out of accord with what he has made me and who he is. Mm. So it, 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 it gives a different set of motivation that yeah. I want to act because I want to honor my God and live out what he has actually made me to be. Yeah, And here we see Paul is expanding it back to and pointing to, hey, this was God's plan yes. since the very beginning. Yes, and, and so, so if we get into that, like you just yeah. brought in, like adoption, the the, the, the key word, predestination. Mm-hmm. When we get into this topic, the main thing that we must take away, even if we wrangle over some of the nuances of God's sovereignty, mm-hmm. is that this is a God work. Yeah, This is a God action. This is not something you do. It's something he did. Mm. It's not something that was an accident. It's not something that he did as a... Well, I got to try and recover the human race yeah, and I got to try yeah. and fix it and everything. From the very beginning, mm. he went after people to bring them into the fullness of his glory. So it's mm. a God centered mindset, mm. it's a God centered presentation of truth. Yeah. And that is the big meta theme that hopefully all of us can agree on. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that God was caught off guard in the garden. Right. He, he turned his back for a second. All those rascally kids, look at them. They're eating of the fruit, right? Yeah. The Lord knew, mm-hmm. and in his sovereign hand, he has brought about this means of salvation. That is so glorious. And that's what Paul talk, He points to. He says he's, he's done all these things so that we may be adopted into his family. W- what does that mean, that we be adopted into God's family, if you will? Well, to be adopted is to be brought from the outside to the inside. Mm. To not have access, but to have access. Mm. There's no one that has access to me like my own family, yeah. like my own children. Yeah. They, they, there's a not only a, 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 a contextual access so they can actually come into my presence. Mm-hmm. There's a relational access in which they feel that I'm approachable. Mm. So now the adoption means that there's an approachability that exists that didn't exist before. Yeah. It also means that, especially in the Middle Eastern world, it was only children who received the rights and the inheritance of the father, yeah. specifically the son. So the fact that we are made sons, regardless of our gender, mm-hmm. made spiritual sons in Christ, it means that everything that was Christ, which means everything that is the father's, mm-hmm. is now ours. So the riches and the glories that exist among the Godhead have been gifted to us because now we are his children. Mm. Now, we don't become God. I've said this many times. We don't yeah. become God, but we have access to the riches of God 
that no one else except God himself gets. But now he wants to share them, which is an incredible thought. It, it really is an incredible thought. And I, I think back on my life and how I really haven't sat to really consider that in all its fullness many times, right? <laughs> well, me too. That, that we, we have access to the Almighty One, mm-hmm. and then we are promised the riches and glories of Christ mm-hmm. shared in that because of what he has done on the cross. And, and that gets us into even that next part of Ephesians. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. What is it to be, we use this word redemption, mm-hmm. what is it to be redeemed? It means to be bought back. You know, we, we, we were in the slave market of sin, and to mm-hmm. be redeemed is to be purchased out of, to be, it's a transactional term yeah. that there was a price that was paid for our souls. Mm-hmm. What was the bride price? What was the payment to rescue us out of slavery? Nothing less than the blood of God himself. Yeah. So it's redemption through his blood. So it's a payment through his blood, not through some angelic host or some mm-hmm. pile of gold. It was redemption through the blood of God, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So now we have a relational uh, reconciliation because mm-hmm. there's forgiveness happening. Um, and then according to the riches of his grace. Why does he do that? Um, grace means he's giving something that you do not deserve in any aspect. Yeah. Now, you might say, well, thank God for his grace, um, but it goes on to say, which he lavished upon us. It's not just, hey, I'm going to pay your payment, yeah. and then here's something good in return. Yeah. I'm going to pay your payment. I'm going to forgive you, and then I'm going to dump upon dump. <laughs> That's not a very theological <laughs> word, but I'm going to like pour. Pour. There you there go. That go. sounds I'm gonna, better. I'm going to pour and dump and pile on and lavish and back up the truck yeah. of the infinite glories of God, and I'm just going to bury you in them. I mean, like it's, it's that type of yeah. imagery. Yeah. And he's doing this, what, in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will. Now, that's an important word. Yeah. Because as we talk about predestination and the sovereignty of God, mm-hmm. what do these words tell us? That God before time had a purpose and a plan, and he's working out that plan. Mm. Is there some mystery to it? The answer is yes. Yeah. Why has God sought and gone after some? Some of those questions truly do exist only within the realm of God's mind alone. Yeah. But it's very important to understand that he does that with, in verse 8, in all wisdom and insight. Mm. As someone reminded me, actually this morning in Staff Devotions yeah. we were talking, that we can uh, we can take comfort in God's sovereignty, mm-hmm. but we can delight in God because of his wisdom. Yeah. So sovereignty without wisdom or insight is very stoic and cold. Mm. But God's sovereignty, his ability, mixed with perfect wisdom, yeah. allows us to be able to trust his sovereignty because it's always exercised in perfect justice. And, and I would say alongside of and kind of encapsulated in his love. So his motivation is loving, his kindness, his goodness. Mm-hmm. And then we see that acted out in his sovereign will. And here in Ephesians, it it seems to indicate that there is a mystery that has been unveiled to us. Yes. Would that be the mystery of the gospel itself in that here now we see the fullness of God's plan revealed in Christ? The answer is, yeah, yes, yes, the mystery of the gospel, but maybe more so the fullness of the gospel. Okay. So if we go back into the Old Testament, this is where the kind of the biblical theology, the revelation of how God has unveiled himself over time. Yeah. In the Old Testament, you can see the saints have an understanding that they have been given something great. Mm-hmm. 
what do they have that how great is that gospel did the early saints in the old testament understand that they were going to be united to yahweh himself mm. through the son through a member of the divine godhead did they have any conception that salvation would rise to that heights yeah i think they saw glimpses of it mm. but now as we understand on the other side of the new covenant on the other side of the cross <laughs> I'm not just forgiven and getting access to heaven. Mm. I don't just get to call God Father. I get to commune with him in a way that in time past, only God himself got to commune with God. Mm. I get to sit with him as God himself sits with God. In other words, as the Son enjoys the Father and as the Father enjoys the Son, as the Holy Spirit revels, I get access into that community. Yeah that the angels themselves have not access to and long to look into. Mm. So the mystery of the, the the unveiling is the fullness of what God has done. And what's amazing is that even Paul himself said, and eye has not seen nor ear has mm. heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Yeah. So if that blows your mind, I'm literally speaking in baby talk <laughs> compared to the <laughs> eloquence yeah. that we could express for eternity going on. Yeah. And it will be one of those things that over it throughout glory, throughout eternity, we will just experience the fullness, greater and greater fullness of God. And so here we see that we have the adoption, we have redemption, we have forgiveness. We've been lavished upon by God's grace. We have been revealed in him the mystery of his will. And then he goes on to say in verses 13 and 14, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Now, we spoke about the Holy Spirit in terms of the giftings in a previous episode. What is this sealing of the Holy Spirit? How are we, how are we to understand it? Maybe back, let me back up one step. Yeah. What we're seeing here in Ephesians 1 is, in theological terms, what we call the ordo salutis, mm. the order of salvation. You're seeing an unfolding of salvation in a particular order. Mm-hmm. And where does it begin? In the beginning, mm. not you, God. Yeah. God created, but more importantly, God has ordained and chosen, and he has moved into the realm of salvation before anybody could ever choose him. Mm-hmm. So it all began with God. And then we see that a redemption, a price has been paid, mm. blood, sacrifice. So that had to happen. So now we have the sovereignty of God, the the, the bride price has been, has been paid. Mm-hmm. And then look in verse 13, in him, when you heard the word of truth and you believed in him. Yeah. So now we have a response Mm -hmm. on the part of the human being responding to what God has done according to his providence. And the result of that belief now inaugurates the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, where the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit comes and makes residence in the believer. And he stamps you and seals you and says, this one is mine. According to your faith in the sacrifice of Christ— which was ordained before time, and matter of fact, your salvation was ordained mm. before time. So it all plays together in this beautiful orchestral symphony mm-hmm. of God's salvation on our behalf. How does this truth that we've just kind of walked through here, and this is just really skimming the surface of this passage. Oh, barely. 
How does this truth come to bear on our day-to-day life? Because a lot of this is, let's be honest, I mean, it's it's weighty. Mm-hmm. It's it's lofty. It's glorious. What does that mean for the person who loves Jesus, who is just trying to walk through their day, care for their family, go to work? What well, kind of- well the, for the first question, regardless of who's listening to this, is the basic, have you believed in him? Mm. Have you believed in the one who uh, ordained and has sent his son to die on the cross for you? Yeah. So that's the step one, because yeah. if that is not the case, then you do not stand to benefit from all the glories that we just talked about. Yeah. If you have believed, then this is your state. Do you notice that nothing in this chapter has anything to do with now you have these things as long as you did your devos this morning? Yeah. I mean, these are these are unilateral realities that are dependent upon God, not you. Mm. Therefore, as we go throughout the day, regardless of how good my day or how bad my day is, I stand in a position of blessedness before God. Mm. And what does Satan like to attack us more than anything else? How could God love you, Mike, yeah. if? Oh, yeah. Are you sure that you really are a child of God? See, Satan understands this better than most Christians that if he can undermine our identity, mm-hmm. he can undermine our joy. And if he can undermine our joy, then he undermines our ability to be able to live out according to Christ as we're called to. Amen. Yeah. So how does this matter day by day? To daily revel in this is who I am. Mm. Now out of this identity, Lord, I beg of you to help me live in a way that honors what you have given me. Amen. So I think it's it's, it's definitely a mindset that helps fuel our day. Amen. Amen. Well, Nathan, thank you so much. Uh, I know just personally encouraged by this conversation, and I pray those who are listening as well. Uh, We do appreciate you listening to this episode of Focused on Christ. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Give us a five-star rating if you're able to do so, so that others can find us. If you also have questions about something we have shared, a theological topic, scripture passage, whatever it may be, you can email us at questions at focusedonchrist.com or visit us online at focusedonchrist.com. Dot com.